Today's message is entitled The God-Man, Our Humanity's Dignity. The God-Man, Our Humanity's Dignity. This is from the three-part series, The Birth of a Man. Last week, we talked about the best man gone bad, but he still had a future. And I think we learned from last week that man left to his own devices or left to his own will and thoughts and consciousness can spell trouble. And I think the further we get away from God, if you notice, even when we ourselves don't study or read or come to worship or connect with God on any kind of regular basis, you're drifting further away from the person God called you to be and you're becoming more self-fulfilled. In other words, you're left to your own devices. When you shun God's wisdom and you, you ignore his devices and tools, you kind of go back to that old man that leads to trouble. And we say that this man has gone bad, but still has a future because of the way he was birthed, okay? We talk about the birth of a man, that this birthing, the fact of being born, is really the catalyst or the doorway to linking us to our future's destiny, that it is not so much just in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, but we have to go back to the birth of Christ, which is significantly tied into the birth of man, as we studied in the book of Genesis. Stay with me, I'm building a point, that Adam, Adam, was the first man, the first Adam, which went bad, and so Christ becomes the last Adam. He corrects what went wrong in the first one. So in other words, Christ's humanity is important. His humanity would be the thing that united him to divinity in the future. So the birth of Adam, as we know him, in his humanness, is the thing that connects him to the humanness of Christ that gives him the hope of being divine in the future. So this week we move from the best man to the God man. Now watch this now. That God and man have always had a tie together a tie that binds. In other words, it was never intended 
for man to operate on his own without God. And as we look at our world today, even when we read in the Old Testament, uh, we read passages when Israel is doing poorly. Uh, the text says, and every man did was what was right in his own eyes. And so whenever we go away from the concept of the God-man, this union, this harmony of being connected with him, we're going to find ourselves in a world of trouble. What's interesting, listen to this, Tabitha, this is interesting. What's interesting is that Jesus's humanity is not ever in question. No one questions Jesus's humanity. History shows that there was a Jesus here from Nazareth, that there are tracks, there's tracings, there's evidence that he was here in his humanity. History shows that. But what is in question is not his humanity. It is his godness. Uh, Watch this now as we try to unfold the humanness of Adam and his bestness and the humanness of Jesus and his godness. They were mad. They were mad at Jesus, not because he was human, They were mad because he exclaimed that he was both God and man. Ah, that's what messed them up. That's what messed up the Pharisees and the scribes and the rulers of that day. How can you say you are God? You are blasphemous. They started questioning his godness. And that's where the problem comes in. It is no it is no greatness about our humanity. There is nothing. Uh, grandiose about our humanity. Our humanity is only powerful as it connects with God. So to say you are mankind or you are a man in the sense of representing mankind, that alone is not good enough. And this is the problem of us today. No one argues with our humanity. No one argues with little cherry that I am human, that I'm here. But when we start talking, Riri, about God and who he is and what he can do through us and our faith and how we believe God, isn't that where the problem comes in? When we start talking about who we can be, and what we can do with God when people start saying, oh, he's cuckoo. Nobody, you can go on anybody's podcast and talk about race cars, twerking, showing your booty, whatever it is you want to do, smoking, getting high, that's acceptable. But start talking about Jesus or spirituality, no one wants you on the show. Because getting high, smoking, and doing bad things or, you know, social things. Let's not say they're all bad, but just things everybody can relate to. That means they're relating to your humanness. And humanity, we've already seen, when we only talk about our humanness, 
we get into problems. So that's where the problem comes in. And we have to know how to navigate through this torrent of successive onslaughts and questionable life analyzations. Because people question us when we start talking about a better way. That's why the holiday season is so conflicting. People don't want you to say, Mary, Christmas anymore. People don't have their problems with the holiday. They have problems with Santa Claus. They have problems with the nativity because what we are asserting is that there's a big fat jolly man in a red and white suit who comes and does good things for people. And you have to believe in that. We don't want to believe in that which is esoteric or ethereal or out there in the way bounds. We want to deal with humanity and I I'm saying to you that even as we become more left, and if you're left or right, Democrat, Republican, even as we understand democracy and we move further to giving everybody what they want, we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we don't exclude God in the middle of our progression to be a powerful people. We we uh, uh, rave about our humanity and how good we are as a patriotic people and we come together. But I come to say that we're only good in humanity when humanity remembers the God man, not just the man. Are you tracking? So this is what we called the our bestness and his godness. And the only reason we even have to raise the question of godness or our bestness is that humanity has limitations. I'm talking a little Ben, that the only reason why Jesus is an issue, the only reason why Santa has to come is because it suggests that the year has been bad enough where we feel like we need to get something extra special. In other words, humanity on its own has limitations and we need something to come in and perk us up. Everybody loves a hero. We create Superman, Spider-Man, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, the hero woman, the, the movie just came out. I forget the name of it. Uh, and so we all look toward these aspiring kind of individuals to do what? To make up for our limitations. I can't fly, but Superman makes me feel good when I see him. The reason for godness and the reason for bestness is because humanity on its own has limitations. I am limited and we need to start getting aware of that again and stop getting on talking about we bad. Yeah, you bad with limitations. Because <laughs> take that filter off your picture. You're going to see everything true. Never mind. Keep moving. Godness is only brought to bear because man alone has severe limitations and is flawed. And we saw that last week. So in reality, there is no mankind. Listen to me carefully, Latanya. There is no mankind. Listen, I'll say it again, Shauna. There is no mankind without linking its humanity to God. In other words, when Adam was created, Adam was created with the brain 
breath of God. He was created to be in communion and in harmony with God. And so when man tries to operate without God, there is a problem. There is no humanity without being able to show its relationship to God. You cannot be bad. You cannot be good. You cannot be best without a relationship to God. There is no human apart from God. You cannot divorce the two. No matter how you look at it, man was created by God. So humanity is the relationship of man with God. Hence we get the term the God-man. Humanity is not the relationship of man with man as we think it to be. We live our lives trying to connect with other people. We try to connect with the blonde hair, blue eyes, with the brown man, the biceps, the yellow man, the nice curvy woman. We try to connect with the rich person, the uh, astounding person, the educated. We do all of our best to relate man to man. We go out of our, we cut our hair, we press our hair, we groom and get ourselves cute. We make ourselves a purdy. We make, we put on mascara, we get our eyeliner, we swoop them up on the curves like the cat woman. We do whatever, we work out, we get our biceps. Why? Because we're focusing on relationships of man to man. But out of the relationship with God, we are to refer, we are to develop relationships with man. Humanity is always first for God, then toward man. So before you go trying to impress Tyrone, you've got to first get the relationship with God. And out of that God-man relationship, we can relate to others. I'm preaching. Maybe you don't know it. That's why humans were created. How? In the image of whom? God. You weren't created in the image of Lisa. You weren't created in the image of Superman. We were created in the image of God. Then bear the image of God. God, why then do we scantily go through uh, social media looking at outfits and how they wear it, trying to image ourselves after man? You've got it twisted and you're just a man. I don't want to be a man. I told you last week, I don't want to be a good man no more. I want to be the best man. Now I'm saying this week, I don't want to be just a man. I want to be a God man or a God woman. So we were created with an intended relationship with him. We do so much to please man when we weren't even created for him. God didn't create us for man. He created us for him. And so it is man that God is so enthralled with. And that's what I want you to see. It is man that God is enthralled with. We get it twisted. We start acting like we're enthralled with man, but God is enthralled with us and we should be enthralled with God. Oh, you're missing it. God loves us so much. And then we in turn should be ecstatic about that love. And from that relationship, we begin to love other people. So, and we know this because 
God, we know God loves us because he gave man so much favor. He gave man so much deference. He gave man so much depth. He gave him so much authority. God wouldn't give man such authority if he didn't think highly of him. Humanity is not just the humanness of mankind, but it was always supposed to be man in relationship with God. So when that broke, when Adam and Eve broke, when they messed up and listened to the serpent, when they broke this agreement, man became separated. And so now we're focusing on man and now God is a separate entity. I'm trying to tell you that God thought this thing so from the beginning that there was supposed to be such a union and a relationship between us and God that we weren't supposed to be separated. We weren't supposed to be living, struggling on our own. Don't you remember when I said last week that because Adam and Eve disobeyed that then the Bible said, God said to Adam, then you will work in sweat and tears. You will have to labor and women are going to have pain and childbearing because you messed up. It wasn't meant to be that way. And so a new man, watch this now, a new man, when we talk about the birth of a man, a new Adam had to come to once again demonstrate man in relationship with God. Am I fixing this up? So when we talk about the new man, when we talk about Christmas, we talk about this new man that needs to come and demonstrate the union and the combination of it again. This would have to result in a what? Rebirthing of man. You would have to be, oh, it's in the scripture, you'd have to be born what? Again. There it is. (laughs) But many have misunderstood man's role in the world and it has created all kinds of confusion because man doesn't know what his role is and how significantly he is to be related and interconnected with God. So today's text is going to clarify and put things in order to show how the God man and man are inextricably linked. That the God man, meaning Jesus, is inextricably linked to the the one we call man or Adam. Let's look at this here. The text says, I want to read a text in Hebrews 2. Are you tracking with me? Just let me know if you're tracking. Type in tracking. Let me maybe type tracking myself. Can I Can I type them? Let me see while I'm doing it. Tracking. Let me see if I can do it. Tracking. Tracking. I'm tracking myself. There There it is. Is, is it on? There I am. Tracking. You see, look at, look at PC. I'm tracking. Now watch this now. Listen to this. Let me give you some context before I before I do this. Let me give you some context. We enter into uh, a discussion in Hebrews two. Uh, there it is. Look, I'm tracking. Let me let me hit that. If it's on the screen, I hit that. I'm tracking. We enter in on a discussion about the differences. Listen to this. We enter in on a discussion about the differences between angels, Jesus, and mankind. This is the context. And from this text, we see the huge 
and very big importance of humanity. We're going to look at Jesus, we're going to look at angels, we're going to look at mankind or what represents humanity. And while one would think God and angels are ultimate, it is God's love for humanity that rings the loudest. I mean, it seems like God's greatest, um, uh, you know, recognition of power uh, would, would lie in angels or powerful beings or celestial beings, you know, that that's his prized possession, people with power. But his greatest recognition of power, y'all, lies in his relationship with us, that the thing that he is most proud of. The thing that most gives him glory is his relationship with broken human old stinking radical people. So whenever we talk about how great God is, he always gets greater glory when we talk about him in relation to us. God likes the glory. You could talk about the expanse in the sky and Jupiter and Mars and how he hung the stars and he causes the waves to come up only so far and he created the birds and the bees and all of that but his greatest creation y'all and his greatest glory and pride comes from his creation of man and his relationship with us God is always ecstatic about us so check out these verses now as we read them look at verse number one for this reason it says we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not, notice this, drift away from it. Look at the next verse. For if the word spoken through, listen, angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Meaning from a man. After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. So notice the delineation of hierarchy. We're talking about the Lord. We're talking about angels. We're talking about being heard by humans. So we're talking about these three different um, uh, entities. So verse four, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So now we got miracles and stuff happening with supernatural people. Verse five, for he did not subject to angels the world to come. In other words, he didn't put, he didn't put that under their rule concerning which we are speaking. So verse six, but one has testified somewhere saying, listen to this, Shana, what is man? that you remember him or the son of man that you are concerned about him. Why do we matter? Verse seven, you have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet for in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subject to him, but we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely who? 
Jesus, because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for whom? Everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory. That's us broken down humankind to perfect the author of their salvation through what? Through sufferings. So for both who... He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, that's the the best man, the perfect man and the best man are sanctified are all from who? One father. We all together for which reason he is not ashamed to call them what? Brethren. Saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. So then he says, and again I will put my trust in him and again behold, I am the children whom God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. He came to rescue us. Verse 15, and might free those, Adam, all of us, who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. You better get excited about Christmas because this is what Christmas is about. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. It ain't about angels, y'all. It's about mankind. So 17, therefore... He had to be made like his brethren in all things. He had to be made like Adam so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So last verse, for since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Let me just give you a summary recap of this. Hebrews 2 in a nutshell is saying, look, if people got in trouble for not heeding the words of angels, how do you think we won't get in trouble by not heeding the words of Jesus himself? In other words, the angels had such position in God that they carried weight. They carried messages with their weight. And so clearly there's an analysis of the angel of Jesus and man. And we all have no excuse for not believing what we hear. There's no excuse for you not to understand the divinity and the power in your life after hearing me preach week after week. It has been confirmed with signs and miracles, but we must know know that God didn't base the future promises on angels, but he based the future on the God man. Because we are human, we have been linked to the family of God. In other words, our humanness links us to the family of God by God becoming human in the form of Jesus, the God man. So we have the same origin because our father made both of us. But with all that being said, this chapter just said, this rulership and lordship is not as it should be now. It's not the case, cousin Kevin. It's not the 
way it should be, Tony. And so we have to work on this. This means then it is still forthcoming. So what are we to do with this information now? And why is the writer writing to tell us this? Well, let's find out. My first point is this. God didn't build this world for angels. I'll say it again. God didn't build this world for angels. So look at the text as he says, uh, before I read it, let me tell you this, as important, as important and as needed as angels are, God did what he did and created what he created for mankind. That God did not establish this earth for angels for celestial purview, for him to fly around and be godly. He built this city for mankind. He established us here and said, rule over this, mind my business, take care of it because I want a relationship with you. I'm trying to get you to see that God didn't do this for perfection. God did it for the broken. And this is the first reason the writer is raising the awareness in the text and why I'm preaching it during this Christmas season. The writer doesn't want us to drift away. Look at verse number one, as he says at the end of that, so that we do not drift away from it. I need to bring this close to your attention. Look at the verse. This reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that you don't drift away from it. So listen, the writer does not want us to drift away from this powerful truth while being enamored with the powers and abilities of angels or even the supernatural things happening in the world. God says, I don't want you to be impressed by the supernatural things alone. I don't want you to aspire to be so spiritual that you don't have any human commonality. God, I'm preaching. We must be reminded that at the heart of God is the heart of humanity. How can you say you love God but hate your brother? That's what God is saying. How can you say you're super spiritually deep but you don't help the man on the street who can't find water or food for himself? God says you cannot serve humanity without combining the two of God and man. So look at the text again. Verse number two says, for if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation after it was first spoken through the Lord and confirmed to us those who heard? He said, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. But here's the verse, for he did not subject to angels the world to come. In other words, He says, I didn't give the world for angels to be in charge of it. I didn't make the world subject. I could have given power to the people with power. He says, I didn't want to give it to the people with power. I gave it to people with no power. I gave it to Adam who messed up. I gave it to Seth. I gave it to his children. I gave it to all the way down to this generation today. That God says, I gave the control of my kingdom to people who have the tenacity and the proclivity to mess up. But Jesus came to give 
give us the divine connection between the God and man. So watch this. Angels, even though they are great with power, they were not left in charge. Not now, nor in the world to come. I love you, Michael. I love you, Gabriel, but y'all ain't in charge. Angels were responsible for messages in the past. Michael and Gabriel are noted. So he says, if the angels gave messages in the past and we were supposed to listen to them, God is saying, you're supposed to listen now to humankind. Why? Because Jesus is come. In other words, it couldn't do it before, but now that Jesus has come, you ought to listen to man because man has God in him. <laughs> before Jesus came, man was just man by himself. But now man has the, the ability to have God in him. He can be the God man. So angels were responsible for messages then, but messaging has been put now in the hands of man. That's why I'm preaching, y'all. You don't see an angel. I'm not a spiritual being. I'm not super spiritual. I'm not holy and divine. I'm a man. If I stub my toe, it's going to hurt. If I cut my finger, it's going to bleed. If I have a broken heart, it's going to hurt. And I am a man, but I've got God too. We're going to get to that in a second. So messaging has been put in our hands and the miracles and the signs and the wonders that help the messages convince the unbeliever is done by man. Don't you remember Peter and John, the lame man who was laying there? He says, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have in the name of Jesus, take up your bed and walk. In other words, it's not the angels that come down to do the miracles. The miracles are being done in the hands of man. Why? Because it's the God man that God wants the relationship. God said, I'm going to share my power with people who don't know how to use it. So this new God man we're talking about today has to be introduced. So finally, Latanya, in verse five, he clearly says the world isn't subject to angels. Angels are put in the plan, but they don't run the plan. And so even though angels are set to help you, we all have angels around you, but we actually, the Bible says, even we were made a little lower than the angels. The reality though, we're lower than the angels in terms of spherical and anatomy and power, we still have the authority to make the decisions in this world. That Gabriel and Michael don't come down and make decisions about the world we live in. If you're going to make choices in the world to change the world, they will be changed by the choices of mankind. Man, I wish you were hearing me on this. Wow, angels are amazing, but they are not sovereign. So let's go to point two. <laughs> Look at point number two. God has a thing for mankind. God has a thing for mankind. Oh, I love that. I love that he has this thing for mankind. And so we're going to look at verses six through eight. But before we do that, let me explain this to you. While he clearly, while he clearly didn't put the world under the control of angels, who then did he give that power to? Man? Yeah. And why? Humanity has its limitations. Why in the world, Joy, would God put his kingdom in the hands of man who's already proven that he can't follow and instructions. Why in the world would he do that? The text says, watch this now, verse 6, watch this. Verse 6 says, but one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that you remember him? Why do you keep thinking about him or the son of man that you're concerned about him? He says, you have made him for a little while lower than the angels. In other words, we're going to get a lift up. Come on, somebody. You have crowned him with glory and honor and have a 
appointed him over the works of your hand. Talk about man, y'all, not angels. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. So the point of the text is saying this. It's saying, what is man that you would consider him? Why is man on your mind? Letitia ain't even no Letitia online. I just felt like saying it. Why is man on your mind? Cousin Kevin, he is so much lower than you. Get the gravity of this text. The writer is saying man is so much lower than you. He's so much lower than angels. Why in the world are you caring about a man who's homeless sleeping on the street. Why do you care about putting the kingdom in the hands of an ex-drug addicted person? Why do you think of him? Why do you ascribe to him so much favor? Why do you give him so much attention at Christmas time? Why do you, it's like you miss him. Like you wake up God and you want to be with me. Like he was walking through the garden talking about Adam. Adam, where are you? In other words, God was looking for, why do you care where Adam is? Why do you care where my marriage is? Why do you care what's happening with my children? Why do you care what's happening with my feelings? Why do you give so much attention when you've got angels all around you who doing way better than we are? They don't make the mistakes we make. Why aren't you giving your attention to them? You have placed him just a little lower than the angels and you have given them free rule over your entire empire. The text said you have crowned him with honor and glory. Why? Why in the world are you giving crowns to alcoholics? Why are you giving crowns to ex-drug felons and murderers and cheaters and stealers? Oh, I'm trying to get you to see why Christmas is the thing. It's the bomb bomb dang a dang. No, Jesus didn't take on the form of angels. The Bible said when Jesus comes, he didn't come as an angel. He didn't come flying in and saying, I'm here. I'm here. To-. He came in the form of a God. He came in human flesh. And that's why I'm trying to get you to see that the birth of Christ is the connection to the birth of man. And together they form this God man. Why does it matter? Because man's destiny has always and will always be in the pursuit of his jointness with Jesus that man doesn't have a chance if God doesn't connect with him so his mind is on us because if he does not come and connect with us we don't have a chance to be anything so the voluminous grandeur of Jesus's existence stands to elevate those who are subject to him in other words his greatness is from his ability to reach down real low. In other words, the farther he reaches down, the greater the glory he gets. In fact, perhaps his highness is so high. Your highness, oh, your royal highness, his highness is not for himself. We don't say you're the most high because he's the highest. We say he's the highest because of his desire for those beneath him or subject to him. That's what makes him so high. What makes him our highness 
greatness is because he reached so lowness. So when we talk about our bestness and our goodness, we talk about the godness of a Christ who is high and crowned with glory and honor because of his ability to be concerned and worried about broken Adam who messed up the situation and God said, I'm going to burn you again and give you an opportunity to change. So part of God having a thing for man, that's what I'm saying. He got this thing for man, not for angels. He is not enamored by your cathedrals and all of your gold relics and uh, idolizations. He doesn't care about that. He cares about the woman who comes in, uh, who's struggling to feed her baby with Similac milk. I don't even know if they make that still. <laughs> who's trying to make their rent and is concerned about the person who walks in the church who's broken down and struggling with their self-esteem. God's got a thing for man. If you want to move God, put somebody hurting in from him. Don't, don't bring the Bible. Don't bring your whole spiritual quotes. Even the Bible says the spiritual people who were praying, he said, I ain't even listening to you. But the one who came honest and said, I don't deserve your response. Jesus said, I hear you. I'm telling you, when you learn your humanity, when you learn how broken you are, that's when you discover the power of God that rests on your life. Even Paul said, I have in my weakness, I discover God's power. So he's basically saying, rather than give my glory to someone who already has the power, he says, I will give it to someone who wouldn't stand a chance living in my glory. So part of God having a thing for man was in fact the lowness of man. In other words, God likes lifting people up. So at Christmas time, you want to make God happy, get better. Come to him understanding your your humanity. I don't like church people who come in talking about, oh, everything's all right. How you doing? Praise the Lord. Bless highly favor. You lying? You struggling right now. I can see it in your face. I can see it in your eyes. I love prayer lines. When the prayer lines would come down, I come look right in your eye. Tell me, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Shut up, lying. I know you're broken on the inside. And I know when God would come and he would minister through me to people who would be honest about their humanity. That's why I love the grace place. We had folk get high, drink the alcoholic shack, and we had all kind of people in there, and it was hot up in there. It was hot because humanity was real. And I introduced God to people who were struggling with their humanity. I will take, in other words, God says, I will take them from just being a man or mankind, but I will show them what it means to be a God man. Man can only be exalted as he exists in Jesus Christ. This, my friends, is humanity. Redemption, then, is the tent amount to the success of humanity today. The destiny of Jesus is to reign over everything in the world to come, just as it was supposed to be in the garden. In other words, God wants the rulership of the kingdom in the hands of people who know how human they are, but how God he is. Come on, somebody, say, preach, man. God had a thing for man way back in the garden, and he still has a thing for 
a man today. Where my golf club? I feel like I want to tee up. He got a thing for God or for man, and he had it way back with Adam when he was looking for him. Adam talking about we naked. God said, who told you we was naked? And you put it on leaves over you. God is concerned about mankind. But the problem, the problem is this utopic best expression of man and rulership is not quite yet a reality. So what then? Here's the problem. Here's the problem, Riri. God was so into man. He said, I will crown you now with glory and honor and I will give you the kingdom later. So in other words, God says, celebrate Christmas. (laughs) Drink your eggnog. (laughs) Put up the tree and have the lights and wear your crown. (laughs) I'm going to give you the crown now (laughs) with glory and honor and I'll give you the kingdom later. The point I'm trying to make is that full rulership over the kingdom is not a reality. Jesus is not fully in charge logistically. He is in charge positionally, but he's not in charge logistically. We still got problems. We can still speak to stuff and it don't move sometimes, meaning it is not fully subject to us. But God said, I have still crowned you with glory and honor. So I'm a man. Oh, man. What is happening? I am a man in my humanness, but I still got a crown. I have been crowned now with honor and glory as a man. But I don't have full reign of my kingdom yet. We know that literally all things aren't under his feet yet. But God says, I love you so much. I will crown you now and promise you the rulership later. It's like a king who gives the keys to the princess and says, you're going to rule this kingdom. You have the honor and glory as the child now, but you won't get the full authority until I pass on. So this is all acted out in Jesus, as we will see in the next lesson. But how can man who is not God be connected to the power that God has? On to my final point three. I'm wrapping this. Look at this, Ben. I'm moving. You better get out of here, Bill. Don't mess with me today. Look at this. Number three says, his link to us is our link to perfection. And now do you see the reason for the crown on the pillow? Yes, this is the God man. Give me my crown. It is right for you to call me king. It is right for me to call you queen. For we are royalty. (laughs) Look at the text. Uh, The text says, but we do see him who was made a little Wow, lower than the angels, namely Jesus. It's just a little while we lower than the angels because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Look at the text, y'all. The rule, listen, the reality is that Jesus, who was God, made himself lower than the angels long enough to suffer on the cross to say, Save us. Uh, in other words, God said, What's never you going through is just a little while. I got so much love for you. Help me, Heavy D. I got nothing but love for you, honey. God's got nothing but love for mankind. God dog it. He says, Don't misconstrue the struggles and the trials you're going through to think that I don't love you. It's just made a little lower than the angels for a little while. 
now, but you got to know you've been crowned already. Even though Jesus was under the angels, he still had a crown. I wish my mama would sing the old song, I shall wear a crown when I get in glory. So the rule is not quite what it should be as of now. Joy, I'm not quite what the rulership says about me now, but I still got a crown. This is the meaning then of the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ is important because the birth of Christ means the Savior is come. So the birth of Christ is the gateway for the rebirth of man. So in the New Testament, birth is equated with salvation. Oh, oh, oh. So the birth of a man, the best man turned good man. And I like this, that even the sinful Adam was still called good. (laughs) He was still called good, even though he messed up. But the goodness, the greatness of God or man is equated to salvation. When we get saved, what happens? We get reborn. And what is the connection to salvation and birth? Well, the salvation or rebirth is necessary for being a new creation. In other words, a new creation means you're better able to be in relationship with God. When you turn in the old car for a new one, that car should be better. Ain't no way I'm turning in a 1950 car for a 2000 model and it runs like the 1950. That ain't ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna work. Jesus says when you get born again. And how do you get born again? Well, you accept that Jesus came. Ah, There it is. The birth of Jesus. So this is how we are linked to the power of the perfect. So he says, go back to verse 9. He says, we do see him a little lower than while the angels because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone but then he says for it was fitting for him for whom all things and through him all are all things in bringing many sons to glory that's us to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings look at Levin for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren so the crown of glory and honor is still given though full reign is not yet realized because he suffered death. The crown was given based on sacrifice. And I'm trying to get you to see that the elevation of Christ, the elevation of God, the crowning of his glory was in his willingness and his ability to sacrifice, to come down a little low. If you want to be the hot dog dang shiggity, then you've got to learn how to stoop down a little while. you got to know that you are crowned. You can't be questioning and second guessing who God called you to be just because you haven't looked at trouble in your life. you got to say, I've been made a little lower than the angels for a minute, but I still got my crown. Somebody find your crown, dust it off, go look in your closet, You have set your crown aside. The crown was given based on sacrifice. So if we suffer, though full reign is not realized, we too can wear a crown in glory. People may say, people may say, Shana, people may say, why you got that crown on? Because even though I don't have my kingdom, it's coming. He was in fact made lower than the angels, who technically he was over, so that he could save those of us lower than angels as well. That got him honor and glory. You want honor and glory? Then make some sacrifices in your life for the betterment of other people. Stop living for yourself. This crown ruler 
is inextricably linked to his followers by humanity. The thing that makes Jesus our man, our dog, our homie, our Lord, our bro, our constant companion is his humanity. I relate to Jesus by humanity. That's why when they when he came to see his disciples, he said, touch me, feel my wounds. In other words, relate to my humanity. Woo! And you can't serve God if you can't see his humanity. It's too many deep people in church. Y'all too spiritual. Deal with life for what it is, but know that power comes in the recognition of the sacrifices we make to be human. I'm sacrificing something to be your husband. I'm sacrificing something to be your teacher. I'm sacrificing something to be your daddy. I'm sacrificing something to be your employee. I'm giving up something for the good of other people, but that's where my crowns come from. I wish somebody heard me preaching. We are linked in both suffering and in glory. The Bible said if we suffer with them, we shall rule with them. Come on, somebody, shake it. Give me the shimmy. Somebody ought to say, if I suffer a little while, he says, after you have suffered a while, he will establish you and strengthen. I'm going to run. I'm going to run out the window. I can't run out the window. It is our humanity that links us together. God doesn't mind coming to you, you coming to him in prayer saying, I hurt. Even Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane said, Lord, if it's possible, let this, let this cup pass from me. Is there another way we can do this? My humanity has gotten the best of me. I'm struggling with my call right now. Jesus says, come to me. Look up and look left. Tell me about your humanity. Tell me how you're having trouble with the job. Tell me how you're struggling financially. Tell me the truth about how broken you are. He says, that's when I'll come to your aid. He says, when I gave it up, that old song, that's when you bless me. So in verse 11 through 18, he says, we ought to care enough about the poor and the needy enough to make the sacrifices necessary in life to make others better. Look at verse number 12. He says, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. In other words, I'm going to put my trust in the one who has been made a little lower for a little while. He says, therefore, since the children share in the flesh and the blood, since we all human together, since we all rolling, Jesus still got a body in heaven. He himself likewise also partook of the same. So when we hurt, we know he knows how we feel that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help (laughs) to the descendants of Abraham. God ain't here to help the angels. God is here to help mankind. Verse 17, therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things. I'm so glad Jesus hurt like I hurt because he knows how to heal me from my pain so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. And so I wind up for the runway. I'm calling the tower. We coming in. 
in. At what number runway should I come on in? We're leveling out our planes. And so it is necessary for me to keep preaching, being people of action, because the world needs people like you and me. The world needs not just humanity, but it needs a God mankind. And the only way we can get to this point is to be born again, and that has to happen through Christmas. So the birth of a man finds himself having to be born again. So look at my conclusion. You got to be born again. Here in John 3, Jesus told Nicodemus that man must be born again in order to have a chance. He says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. In other words, questioning. Listen, nobody was questioning his, 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 his humanity, but the question is Godness. And Nicodemus says, we know you've come from God and a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. You can't be a man with power without God. Hallelujah. Verse 3 says, Jesus answered and said to him, truly, you right, you right, you right, Nick, you, you right, Nicodemus. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, if you can't even see the kingdom of God, how you going to rule the kingdom of God? <laughs> Verse 4 said, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Uh, um, be born, can he? No. Jesus answered, truly, truly, Nicodemus, <laughs> I say to you, unless one is born of water and what? The spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus told Nicodemus, you got to be born again. Nicodemus said, do I go in the stomach again? He says, the key is that you have to be born of water and of the spirit. And so Jesus himself says, the power of the kingdom comes in the recognition of being born of water. I was born to Cherry George Smith Jr. and Opal Lee Smith. I came out with water. <laughs> I came out the water, y'all. I came out the water, but then I got boned again. I got boned again about six years old at Church of the Living God, 57th and Hoover. And God got me born by the Spirit. Well, what does that qualify me as? I can see the kingdom. <laughs> Not only can I see the kingdom, I can rule the kingdom. I am a God man. So I celebrate Christmas because, because Jesus came, my children can be born again. I let all three of them to Jesus. They can be God men and women. So I'm telling you, unless you learn how to live in the duality of your Godness, your humanness, and your spiritness, you don't have a chance to make it in this world. You don't get the good life as just a human, nor do you get it being an angel. God has given his love. He's given his kingdom to humanity. And that's why I'm so enamored with humankind. When mankind recognizes God over the United States and over the world, there ain't nothing we can't do. We got problems at the border. We got problems in economy. But if this nation would once again declare God as somebody in whom we trust, we got it on the money, but we don't believe it. Once we put him at the core of who we are, there ain't 
nothing we can't do as humankind. We can stop hunger. We can stop poverty. We can stop homelessness. Humanity is the duality of the water and the blood. It is the spiritual man that makes him the God man. The vibe of the two together is what gets our father's juices flowing. So whenever you act in the flesh, know that you aren't acting for the kingdom. And whenever you act solely from a spiritual perspective, without factoring in the human elements, you aren't acting on behalf of the kingdom. These old deep people who come try to preach to you while you hungry and dying and on the street. Feed the man first and then give him a message. You are not in the will of God, but when you act with both, when you know how to do both, when you're ambidextric and you're able to do whole with one hand. Sometimes I like when I'm preaching and the wind is blowing my papers. I like to hold the mic with my hand and hold my papers with my elbows. Because I'm human enough to know the wind is blowing But I'm spiritual enough to know that God's got a word And he's still going to get it through I got to learn how to deal with life when it comes I got to learn how to deal with the bank account Say you're down to $20 But God shall supply all my needs According to his riches I feel like preaching right now You might tune on off You tired, you ready to go Forgive me But I just got recited About how good God is to me me, that I've got an opportunity to not just be a man, but I've got the power to be a God man. And I've got to learn how to live with the humanness and the compassion of understanding people and where they are. I got these deep people say, well, Jesus said, well, before you tell me Jesus, what Jesus said, I need to know you love me. Speak the truth in love, God says. And when you're human enough to relate, but divine enough to have have hope. That's when God smiles on your life. The angels don't do whatever we want them to. They don't do whatever they want to do. Angels don't come and just order my life. They are subject to the choices I make. They do with us what fits in our humanity. That's why often angels appear as humans because angels have to operate in the human. Man, I'm going to walk off the screen. Angels have got to deal with the human capacity and the reality of where we live that the angel could come in spiritual form but it ain't gonna do us no good God needs to know that his power manifests in broken human beings because Jesus was not fully just God on his own because God is spirit but when Jesus came he was both God and man he learned how to feel the pain of being a 12 year old boy lost from his mother and father while still in the temple confounding the lawyers and the doctors with the wisdom that he got from God. That's all right, you ain't gonna say preach. But I'm telling you, we've got to learn the power of both habitats. I've got to learn the power of God and I've got to learn the power of being a human being. And so my final thoughts to you is as 
we prepare for this holiday season, you ought to remember, without Jesus, we don't stand a chance in this world and definitely not the world to come. So I don't mind celebrating the humanness of shopping and getting gifts, but I also don't mind believing the spiritual side of things that better days are coming, that I don't mind putting up a Christmas tree, I don't mind singing Santa songs, I don't mind making cookies and drinking milk, and you say, oh, two commercials, Santa Claus and Jesus, what the hell without us, you've forgotten the human side, people need to know that you can relate, people need to know that you're human enough to have a Christmas dinner, people need to know that you're not so godly, that you don't understand where people really are hurting, you can't preach to me if you can't feel my pain, and so I say to you, Christmas is here, Jesus is come with the birth of the newborn, so I don't mind thinking that even though I'm not the king now, I got a crown that gives me the right to rule over the domain I do have influence over, I don't have my full reign yet, but I am reigning over some stuff, I got some stuff on lock, you heard me, the whole kingdom isn't here yet, but we are all ruling our butts off in our respective neighborhoods. Cynthia ruling what she ruling. Tia ruling what she ruling. Omari ruling what he ruling. Luanda ruling what she ruling. Tabitha ruling what you better rule, girl. Oh yeah, Riri ruling what she ruling. We all ruling. It's not fully under control yet, but we all ruling our areas. So I'm not just man I am God man and that is the crux of humanity the birth of man was to be in fellowship am I in fellowship yes I am the humanity of man is in relationship and communion with the God who created them so we've seen the best man little Ben the best man gone rogue now we have the positive outlook and know the importance of the God man. So come back next week to hear the conclusion of this powerful series, The Birth of a Man. I'm PC. Poo! And that's all I got. <laughs>